Welcome to the Business Launch Podcast. Join us as we get up close and personal with savvy entrepreneurs. Let's explore their business journey and how they navigated challenges and reached their goals. I'm your host, Carlos Samuel. Hey, welcome back to the Business Launch Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Rosary Coloma, who owns Benico Futures. She helps a lot of businesses that you know, she'll explain later what she does. She's actually, I was asking if she was a professor, but she said she she's not a professor. So she's academic. For the, she's more academic. She's <laughs> worked with the UTS startups and UNSW startups at uni here in Sydney. So welcome to the show, Rosary. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. Tell us a bit about yourself. So what was your life like before starting your business? Okay. It was quite varied. I, because I only started Benico maybe about four years ago. So I had already done a lot of other things prior to that, like career-wise. I'm not one of those that's had that, like, straight-line trajectory. So originally I'm, like, from the creative background, creative industries, and I'm musician, trained as a musician, but I also went to art school. So I originally graduated with that like in visual arts, but in majoring in object design. And I did a lot of things. I went to live in London for a couple of years, worked in design studios and stuff there. And at one point had also had an arts management business that I was running. And what else? I worked in the innovation space. I guess that's how it evolved that I ended up working in the startup space and part of that's part of how I ended up in academia as well so I was actually doing my masters at UTS and then got offered a job originally first it was at the business school but then I got offered a role at the innovation and entrepreneurship unit so that's That's how Awesome. I like that kind of space. So I like yeah. I like yeah, it's very uh, experimental. But it wasn't called UTS Startups at the time. So the precursor was called, we had like a suite of programs called like Hatchery and Hatchery Accelerate. And um, yeah, and then at UNSW though, I teach at the... I teach at the AGSM, so the postgrad business school, but I work for the Centre for Social Impact. So I I teach like social entrepreneurship and that kind of that kind of area. So you've worked um, with a lot of small businesses or startups that's can do you can you yeah, mention right. some of the startups that you've worked with? Um, I'm going to have to suddenly remember everyone's (laughs) business names because it's been a while since. Currently, we're like in my current academic role. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So we're back again, so it's the okay. <laughs> <laughs> So back at... So there's a lot of the UTS and the UNSW businesses are cross the, paths. Yeah, yeah. So some of them are not just from one uni. That's what I found. Like they... they yeah, so a, a lot of... Because these are very early stage... Startups. startups. A lot of them are still students. There are some that are founded by alumni or co-founded, but yeah, a lot of them are young and it's their first business, so it also won't necessarily be their last either. So try to build a culture of being okay with failure as well to try. And I love that. I love yeah. that. I think there's a lot. I think a lot of young people now i think they should be encouraged to actually try and yeah and not for not just if they fail and they give up so i guess this gives young entrepreneurs just to be able to try and actually if you fall you can actually go start a new one yeah exactly yeah yeah because there's always learning so it's yeah. never wasted yeah so working with both universities. What event in your life made you decide that you were going to start Benico Futures? Oh, okay. I don't know if it was one singular event, but it was more of a series of things that I was noticing in, particularly in that whole kind of innovation startup space. So I used to have to be on a lot of judging panels for startup pitches and stuff like that and I was getting really frustrated by what I was seeing in that whole innovation space. So I was seeing a lot of what I call like tech for tech sakes and not really solutions looking for a problem, so not really solving real world problems or more for me, not really solving meaningful problems too that need to be addressed in the world. And then that put that with my life experience. So as my mum worked at Qantas for a long time, so I grew up traveling and my parents always tried to show me not just, sure we did Disneyland and all that stuff, but also like other cultures and experience, like seeing different, yeah. And I've, from a life of traveling, I've seen a lot of bigger things that need addressing in the world. Extreme inequality, extreme poverty. And I was just getting pretty jaded by what I saw in that whole tech world. I was like, this is not meaningful for me. And that's originally what inspired my original co-founder and I wasn't by myself to start Benico was partially to address that but it then obviously evolved into something else so like most businesses do yeah so you start in one place you ended up on the other yeah so, yeah There's some, I think it's the same stories with some of the people that I've interviewed oh yeah I'm sure what were the big wins early on that made you realize that it's this is really going to work for you? Or um, this is gonna work? 
I don't know if I'd call any big wins yet because <laughs> like I still even though it's been maybe close to four years or something I still don't feel we've had big wins I think there were maybe a series of small wins that helped me to keep going and not give up but I don't actually think we've gotten to the big wins yet so it was always it's actually the smaller things that get me going like have I try to take it one step at a time and it could be as small as cold calling and cold email campaigns are hard and an extremely low conversion rate. So when we would secure meetings from a completely cold outreach, I counted that as like a small win because like they don't know us. So to give us an opportunity for me is already a small win. So a lot of it started off in cold calling. Yeah, yeah. Getting in touch with your network. Yeah, yeah. Originally, I guess we did start with our network and then we did also have to do a lot of cold outreach. Yeah. (laughs) Now, on the flip side, what events happened where you weren't sure if your business would survive there? I know a lot of people I've spoken to are... The pandemic really hit them hard with their businesses. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's, I think that would be the the moment where I thought this may not work out was the beginning of the pandemic, like the original lockdowns. And I remember it happening almost like a, like watching a train wreck because I at first thought that it wouldn't really affect Benico because I was thinking it's not like a hospitality or retail business or I just didn't realise it would directly affect it. But then I noticed we started getting meetings cancelled and we had things, we had leads like in the pipeline that were looking good and then those meetings were getting immediately cancelled and not even, by then it wasn't even postponed because it was, things were so uncertain during the first lockdowns that people were like, I'm not sure when we can pick up this conversation. And then eventually a lot of our leads also disappeared. Like I noticed a lot of people in our database also lost their jobs. Decision makers, I guess, in yep. businesses, yeah. Yeah. I think that's when I thought things were pretty dire and may not work out. And what was the second part of the question? Would survive, but you figured out a way to pull out. Oh, yeah. So that's that was the point that I thought it wouldn't survive. And then I guess figuring out how to get out of that. At first, it wasn't an immediate, like, there wasn't an immediate strategy or anything had to let things lay low for a while because it was so uncertain there was i mean we did try a few things reactively but i think i eventually learned that because a lot of businesses did go on pause as well and i I think i realized that sure we could try things in a panic but then it got to a point where like it was actually for the best to pause for a while 
so yes, I've been being on pause for a few months. Like I don't remember how long anymore, but but coming out of it business wise, one of the things we had to do was really to think be agile and strategic about how we pivot and it sounds like a cliche but now anyway because everyone had to do this but part of part of it was to pivot more to online digital services but to be honest the other part was like personally as well to be personally mentally healthy because it was like a really stressful time so I think the downtime was actually necessary to also think straight because it's so stressful that you end up doing kind of like I said reactive panic things so it's better to take the time and think clearly yeah it's uh it's you. I think you're not the only one. That's, I think there was a lot of businesses that went through mentally, physically, emotionally. Yeah. With the pandemic, because having a stable income, yeah, in business business owners not being able to pay your your staff behind that, and then not having money there to actually keep the companies moving forward as well. Yeah. Exactly. What makes Benico stand out from your competitors? It's that has had to change because originally when we first started the business, it was more about getting. So we originally thought the big corporations would be our target market. Oh, actually, no. Original iteration of Benico was that universities would be our target market and then we the business changed a bit and we became more of a kind of a b2b business and what we originally thought was our differentiator was that we were going to take these kind of senior decision makers out into like what we call immersion programs so actually getting them to experience that kind of environmental or social impact that needs addressing and rather than just being like in a boardroom so getting them out in the field but that didn't end up being viable even like prior to the pandemic like it, it was actually a very long sales cycle to try and convince people that was necessary now I think the differentiator we have from our competitors because things have changed even in the last four years in the area that we operate in around kind of sustainability and social impact a lot of the big consulting firms now like the big KPMGs, PwC they've now expanded their offerings in for example, like sustainability consulting or social impact consulting, and we can't compete with that because we started when that wasn't big, and now it that it is, market that became a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. but now, now that the big consulting firms are trying to grow in this space as well, there's no point in us trying to directly compete with that. So, what we found was where 
better able to help the small to medium enterprises in this area. But but our differentiator, I feel anyway at the moment, is that we're able to get more granular with them because when big firms consult in this area, they do like high-level recommendations and then hand it over. And I think one of our point of difference is that we actually help them build the knowledge and skills to address sustainability and social impact in their operations and supply chains. So we go more granular, go deeper with them and more practical too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we'll see how that works out. (laughs) Hopefully things pivot for you and everything works out. So motivates you daily. That's a, I know it sounds simple, but it's actually hard because I (laughs) think it's a lot of things. I think one is that in terms of the business anyway, one is that we're trying to achieve something meaningful. So I didn't just start a business to make money. And that for me is one of the big motivators to keep going is that we're actually trying to make an impact in the world. That helps me to keep going because if it was just about money, I could have just looked for a new job. (laughs) Tell me about it. I'm actually in that space thinking of what's next for me. Which is actually, I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. Who are your influences growing up? So growing up? In um, business yeah, or in life. Okay. The, I suppose it would be different because in life, I'd say my parents are yeah. <laughs> uh, my big influence. In business, Growing up, though, I can't remember growing up who I would have looked up to in business, but like currently it would be, it would actually be people like Jacqueline Novogratz, who talks a lot about patient capital, and she started Acumen Plus. But yeah, I can't, because growing up, I don't know if it was actual like um, business like entrepreneurs that I looked up to was a lot of more like artists. <laughs> because it came well, in the art space. Yeah. yeah. Although there were, I can't remember their specific names now, but now that I've said that, I do remember admiring a lot of like independent, like people who had founded independent record labels or independent production companies. So I guess it was like, the entrepreneurial creatives that I really liked back then. Yeah, that's awesome. Going forward, what big goals do you have for Benico for the next three to ten years? Um, I I know it's it's a big thing to think about, but I know that a lot of businesses are like just trying to stand up on their own two yeah. at the moment. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, oh, because I think maybe at the beginning I thought like that, but at the moment it's more 
are we gonna <laughs> we're gonna survive the next few months? <laughs> but I think in the next few years, I think one of the I don't I don't know if this is the only one, but one of I think the big goals would be that we're operating more at a kind of whole of systems level, so not just that one-to-one client work. Yeah, so essentially I'm saying that I hope we reach scale to create a bigger impact because part of, part of how we're trying to pivot at the moment is also through a learning platform that we're working on and hopefully will help to scale what we do as well. Um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, 10 years, I don't know. It's too far in advance at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> just still recovering from exactly from a lot of things that's happening in the yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what's your top three advice for aspiring entrepreneurs or mm. business owners? Top three. One would be to know your why. So that's what I was saying about your what motivates you everyday question because I think knowing why you do something why you've decided to start a certain business that really helps to continue the drive when things are hard when things get too hard or look like it's not going to make it so yeah keeping that bigger picture of why you started this in the first place, so not just what you're trying to achieve, but why. And two more. On a practical level, I would say also understanding the problem you're trying to solve or the need that you're trying to address. Because like I said, when I was dealing with a lot of the when I was still running startup programs and stuff I saw a lot of solutions looking for a problem like a lot of what people thought were great ideas and then there was not a real market need for it so really this may sound like a cliche but really understanding your customer because even if you know who your customer is sometimes people come up with offerings like services or products that don't actually address that specific customer problem or the way they need it addressed. I guess third one maybe I think the to don't go at it alone. I don't necessarily mean like you shouldn't be a solo founder because like at the moment – I actually am. I started with a co-founder, but he couldn't stay. But don't be too proud or worried about asking for help, whatever that may be, like even if it's not a particular business kind of thing that you need help with, but even if it's like moral support, reach out to your networks. So, yes, build a good support network around you. Because it's hard. Yeah. Having yeah. your own business is super hard. And yeah. People don't understand until they actually uh, on working on the business or in the business. And then it's 
not having yeah, a, right. a support really people struggle so yeah that's a great yeah that's a great advice okay so give you a fun question if you recommend one book to our listeners what would it be and why One book is hard. Maybe, because there'd actually be a lot I'd recommend, but since <laughs> only allowed one, since I have brought this up a couple of times now, it's probably appropriate <laughs> that I would suggest Start With Why by Simon Sinek. <laughs> yeah, I love Simon Sinek, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like that's a good starting point for for the people that are at a stage of thinking about starting a business or just starting one, yeah, that very kind of early stage, I think this is a good book to, yeah, yeah, to start with. If our listeners need help with business or questions for you and they want to work with you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? All our social channels are the same name, so it's Benico Futures in one word. Yeah, okay, you can share them. LinkedIn is probably our most active one. Yeah, the the email though is hello at benicofutures.com. Perfect, easy. Thank you again for the chat and thank you for pleasure for coming in to be interviewed and hopefully we'll get the show released shortly and then and I'll let you know when that is. And yeah. thank you again and my pleasure. I'll see you soon. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks. Thanks Bye. for having me. You've been listening to the Business Launch Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes and come and visit our website at businesslaunch.agency. Thank you and have a great day.